0: Welcome to our first mini-episode, After Hours, a companion to the Pool Scene Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our watch-along of Twister. We decided to do something different for you. I am Kevin Bradway. I'm along with Jim Sabella. Hey, now. Uh, So, Jim, speaking of Twister, we had some Twister news this week. (sighs) They're gonna remake slash reimagine Twister. No! So... I was going to ask how you feel about it, but I think everybody just learned.
1: You can't do Twister without Bill fucking Paxton. Simple as that.
0: Well, that's where I will say... I My prediction for this movie with knowing nothing, because I didn't read the articles. I just saw everything gets remade. Everything gets reimagined. My prediction is that Bill and Joe have a child who's now a storm chaser, and it's likely that Bill was written out, and they're probably going to say he died in a twister.
1: That's the only thing that would make sense because he would be, you know, he would have died doing what he loved the most. Hopefully not as bad as Jonas Miller kicked the bucket.
0: Yeah, and then my guess is that Helen Hunt probably appears and in like an Aunt May role where she is, you know, you, you like they go, they need some refuge from the tornadoes and they go and visit
1: Joe. As long as there would be another dining room scene and perhaps they tell her son how her father got the name The Extreme. But you can't. Well, once again, there's another person that died, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. On.
0: Well, the—I I guess the other thing is all of that. Me saying that wouldn't that technically be a sequel and not a reboot yeah, or I guess a reimagining? That's kind of just a sequel, but. Then again, who knows anymore? They reboot all these movies, but then they still use elements from the originals. So
1: Bill Harding would be Channing Tatum. I
0: Yeah, I, I'm not... I,
1: it's going to be a total recast. I doubt they'll even I use hope, the actual one I hope
0: that, like Twister, they all the peripheral cast members also have good careers. I hope they find a bunch of like up-and-coming you know, faces you recognize. Because Philip Seymour Hoffman was just like... He was in 30 seconds of Twister and, you know, amazing well, very.
1: But within Twister, he had some of the best lines within that movie oh, that yeah. stood out. Yeah, even though he was a secondary character, no,
0: he totally steals every scene in that Rest movie. Rest in peace, Barnburner. Which we yes, which we said uh, during the live watch of Twister. So next, um, we want to say that after we released our episode on the Wizard, we did hear some feedback from our listeners about a couple of things that we got wrong, and I think we, you know, we talked at length about some of these things with us being wrong. I don't blame us as much as I blame the movie for failing to
1: really explain itself. Some of the stuff that we came across that we missed were... You really had to have pay attention to get the general gist of what they were saying, and sometimes you had to pry.
0: So first, I will say uh, that Jimmy is the half-brother of Corey and Nick. So Bo Bridges' character, we criticized him for not caring about Jimmy or not signing off on Jimmy being released or institutionalized. But it's because Bo Bridges is not the father of Jimmy or isn't, doesn't have a connection to Jimmy.
1: It's Christine and her new husband are the mother and father of Jimmy and Jennifer. Right. And Nick and Corey are the sons of Sam and Christine.
0: Son of Sam. They're (laughs) David Berkowitz. They
1: were David Berkowitz.
0: (laughs) Uh, So Corey. That would have been a hell of a story. Yeah. (laughs) Jimmy grows up to be the son of Sam. Putnam triggers. Sam's inner son of Sam. Definitely a time travel movie. Nintendo released before the Son of Sam murders. S-
1: Super Son of Sam three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he knows Son of Sam. <laughs> Hi. Ah, uh, so a little so it corrects the fact that why Bo Bridges' character doesn't care about Jimmy or I, I don't want to say doesn't care but doesn't feel there's anything he can do about Jimmy but it doesn't really explain so Corey probably doesn't have much of a relationship with Jimmy he's just a, his mom's son and the movie like most things maybe the two and a half hour cut explains we don't know that Jimmy and, or that Corey and Nick get to see Jimmy at all maybe a couple times a year who knows
1: but it does seem that Corey has a better connection with him than Nick does yeah
0: absolutely. I mean, there's probably a pretty big age gap between Nick
1: and Jimmy. Then again, throughout the road trip, you see the bonding of Sam and Nick, and then they bond over Jimmy. so
0: so then the next thing that we, got some flack about is that Haley? oh and and before we get into this do you remember where it was in the movie that it's explained that jimmy's the half brother
1: it's where they're at the drive-in and they find out after the arcade thugs break open the lunchbox and jimmy comes across it's all the pictures of jennifer and her shoes when he's explaining to Haley about jennifer he mentions the fact that jimmy and jennifer are christine and her husband's kids. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I've seen this movie. But he says it very very nonchalantly.
0: Uh and the next Haley says that her dad is returning Monday. So, we based a a good portion of the podcast on whether the Woods family decides to adopt Haley. But in actuality, uh, who knows what day they're actually dropping her off? But her dad will be home on Monday. So, she does have someone to be there. I don't think it really improves the quality of her life
1: because her mom is still AWOL. Who knows where her mom's still
0: AWOL? Her dad is gone. So, she's still a latchkey kid. Um, So, it doesn't really change a lot of what we talked about. But, you know, she's not just like living by herself. Her her uh, her dad is returning Monday.
1: The one thing they never explained though is the split. So that's one thing people have asked. Well, this is how they split it. No, they never definitely said how they were going to split the money. If they were going to split it three ways, fifty thousand three ways. But we also said during the uh, the pod that usually you would have to get an adult signature to split that kind of money. So we have no idea. They never explained it.
0: I'm the weird thing is technically. Jimmy's parents would probably have to sign off for him. The Woods family, Corey and Nick and Bo Bridges. Well, I can't remember his first name. Sam Woods. Sam Woods. So Sam, Corey, and Nick Woods really wouldn't be entitled to that money at all. Because it's kind of Jimmy's. So, you know, the Jimmy's parents aren't the greatest in my opinion
1: but they may pocket this money for themselves they have no idea who Haley is so. plus we never figured out how they ended up paying the hotel bill for the Nintendo tip line either so maybe they just guaranteed
0: their win and then maybe they were like the an ho- IOU the hotel collects the
1: 50,000 well with that
0: said I think we covered our corrections did a, a different format episode for you a live watch along we hope you'll give us some feedback whether you liked that disliked that or what you want to see but because we did a live watch along it really ran a little long and we didn't get to our pool check and some of our other segments of the podcast so jim why don't you go ahead and tell them what's us get in our pool check
1: pool check
0: so twister was obviously released in 1996 uh Part you know during our formative years, and what also happened in 1996 was that MTV2 was launched. So you had two things really happening. You had other sources to watch music videos, whether it was the Box or much music or some of these other music video channels. Box was very underrated, by the way. Very much so, and I think the Box was purchased maybe by MTV. They kind of like MTV Europe probably bought yeah, it. Yeah, like squash their competition. Uh, but it also meant uh, that big MTV would begin phasing out videos. They really started phasing out music videos in 1995 and slowly started transitioning music videos to MTV2 so that MTV could focus on your real world, your road rules, your date my mom,
1: your Rock and jock. And every single one of us watched the real world and road rules. Don't deny it. I did. I loved it. The Grind. Um, Sandblast. Remember they had a game show called Sandblast?
0: Uh, yeah. MTV Beach House. Beach House was huge. Uh, I remember the. Lover and Dr. Dre, like spring break specials singled out, singled out, yeah. So, Love Line that's the type of stuff that started happening in uh 1995. So, MTV2 was released, and at first it was kind of reserved for fringe type of stuff, so sort of like your your Deftones, your Marilyn Mansion, Mansion, Marilyn Mansion, The Prodigy, and if you were lucky, you'd catch El Scorcho by Weezer, and you'd hear the line watching grunge leg drop New Jack through a press table, which was always so weird to me. Being a wrestling fan, and at that time, ECW was like real fringe.
1: Very underground.
0: And Weezer, apparently Rivers Cuomo, was uh, an ECW fan. Anyhow, I will say uh, my top five this week, it honestly doesn't matter, because I want to discuss more than just five of these videos. And if you were going to ask me on any given day what my top five videos in 1996 were my list would probably be totally different same here so jim um in a saturated 1996
1: what's your number five video coming in at number five for 1996 is a song that holds a special place in my heart when i had an all 90s radio network the bomb 90s radio network it was the first song i ever played when our station went live Dishwalla. Counting Blue Cars. Now, this music video is really great, but the lead singer J.R. Richards caught a lot of shit, got a lot of death threats because after the single release, listeners were angry about how he depicted God in the video, which he depicted God as a female. Wow, I had no idea. He depicted God as a female because he says right here, and I quote So, this idea of God being an omnipotent being could be male or female. We always refer to God as a male, so why not make it a female? So he started creating imagery to describe this journey. So in that video, he depicts God as a female. And that was in 1996. Granted, you know, we're coming up on the second term of Bill Clinton. Things are opening up a little bit. You know, things are a lot more liberal. However, this video was very controversial. And it's a great song. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But to this day, it's on my Spotify playlist. I love hearing Dishwalla. That's why I put it here at number five. I I wish... I could
0: say that that type of controversy was left in 1996. Still is not. But if somebody did the same thing today, you've still got idiots who cannot wrap their mind around, you know, a a female god or a black god or whatever. It's just such closed-mindedness still. That's a topic for another podcast entirely. Uh, when you my, got
1: it, at number
0: five. My number five, Local H... High five and MF. Awesome song, awesome video. The video is so... Cool. They're they've got a two-piece setup, just like a bass player and a drummer, and it's just kind of all herky jerky and, and banging. But the reason I put this on here in such a saturated year, in such a loaded video lineup, is because this is a video you definitely never saw on main MTV. So you more than likely saw this on a Much Music or The Box or something like that. This now I had an older brother, so my eyes had been opened up to a lot of different music, stuff that wasn't mainstream, but this type of video was something that really opened your eyes that there's a whole other world out there. Not just what's happening on MTV, but like a whole alternative scene. You know, there's bands from other places that that exist outside of MTV.
1: Local H I would describe
0: as if you play
1: their song for someday, they would say, Oh, that band. Yes. That's local H. Yeah. And
0: You know, obviously a very vulgar song. So the video came with a lot of bleeps and silence, which to the point where it almost seemed like, is it worth it to play this video on the air? But it's awesome for that reason. Awesome because it represented what was happening in 96, a transition away from like, this is the music you get because this is what we give you. You know, other fringe, alternative, rap, whatever, was taking over where, you know, it it was opening a larger landscape.
1: Okay, so my... Number four came out my freshman year of high school as we said this is 1996 and it's one that stuck out for me for a lot of reasons my number four is not a surf popular now this video was quite remarkable it was directed by jesse Peretz, who jesse perrette is known for doing a couple food fire videos higher up in my countdown so this is going to be a Peretz theme if you will the plot of the video consisted of an attractive female cheerleader taking a teacher's lesson on popularity literally by two timing two football players behind their backs under the nose that she deserves every boy in the whole world by following the teenager's guide to popularity what,
0: now What a great unique song
1: Because it's more of a spoken word and the chorus is a song it's yes. a spoken word anybody who was in high school at that time can it was always the head cheerleader trying to go for Johnny Football Player. Every school, everywhere in this country. And the lyrics are so good. There's It's, there's it's a that, period piece. Yeah, and there's that part at, towards the end of the song where he's saying, make sure to wash your hair. Once,
0: every two yeah, weeks.
1: W- Once, every two weeks.
0: Yes, and it's it's awesome. It's like instructions on how to be popular. Super cool video. This band's still around. They're still performing. Um, this is their one hit, though. Yeah, and, and we have a buddy who's really into Not A Surf, and he will tell you, it's a little disappointing that so much of their audience. Now, if you're a band, you're probably happy just to get listeners however you can or sell records however you can, but, you know, it's like Cherry Pie by Warrant. It's like, do you want that to define everything? Like, you think you're more than just a one-hit wonder, but... So Not A Surf kind of got the best of both worlds. They had essentially Popular, their only mainstream hit, but then they also uh, managed to put together a long career without having to just play Popular every night. Such a great song. So my number four is a little weird. It's Weird Al, Amish Paradise. Oh, oh, oh. And I, Very pick- nice. I picked it because it's sort of a two-in-one choice. So it's a parody of Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise, which is basically features coolio and a very sweaty lg and michelle pfeiffer And michelle pfeiffer is from the dangerous Minds soundtracks well amish paradise same exact concept of the video except they're amish instead of gangsters. and i think it is time weird Al should play the halftime the super bowl halftime show because I that's mean, an
1: interesting thing to do
0: i just think like we're running out of these like novelty pop acts who don't really mean anything
1: to be honest i'm probably in a minority that I don't give a shit about the Super Bowl halftime show well, yeah, mo- at all anymore. Right. I mean, ever since we saw Janet Jackson's titty, things started going downhill. Yeah. And I don't really want to see Kid Rock or stroll out somebody old like ACDC. I love ACDC. Don't get me wrong, but come on.
0: Well, right. It's like like Katy Perry. Despite selling a lot more records than you realize she has sold, it's fine. It's pop music. It's fine. But Katy Perry's not Prince.
1: Be honest. Like Nowadays, it would make sense for... Like Lizzo to do the halftime show. Yeah,
0: rather than try and lean into like the Rolling Stones or some, you know. Let's get
1: Mariah Carey out there. Let's do it. Here's an idea. Aerosmith. Oh, God. There we go. We cannot (laughs) Um, avoid Aerosmith.
0: So, uh, yeah. Weird Al. Why not? He's got three or four decades of hits. They're all parodies. So, everybody knows the songs. Yeah, he could do I, the costume changes. Weird Al's a great performer. I've never
1: seen him live. I've seen videos and stuff. Great performer. I just I think it's a good idea. It would be something definitely different. I'd be behind it. Why not? My number three. As I reference Jesse Peretz, he does this Foo Fighters video, and that is Big Me. Now, Big Me was the unveil of Foo Fighters. And don't say the Foo Fighters. It's Foo Fighters. Never were the Foo Fighters. Now, coming out of Nirvana, the death of Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl forms this band, and this song was a ode to the Mentos commercial. Yeah, We all know the Mentos commercial. It was nominated for five MTV Video Music Awards. It won only the Best Group Video. But for an extended period of time, the band did not play the song live. And Dave basically said, we did stop playing that song for a while because honestly, it's like being stoned. Those little things are like pebbles and they hurt. So Dave Grohl does not like this song, even though this was their first big hit. But you see that from a lot of bands who don't like playing their most popular songs because they think they're more than that. They've grown. And this was a parody song, basically. So on
0: After Hours, our our mini-episode, we can be a little bit more loose in conversation We don't have any time to stay under anything. We like to keep our episodes tight for you, like uh, buns of steel. (laughs) And... So here here's a hypothetical question for you since you picked Foo Fighters. If Kurt Cobain had not committed suicide, do you think or got murdered as some conspiracy theorists believe? But do you think basically what what how do you think it would have played out if Kurt Cobain wouldn't have killed himself?
1: I think the band would have been together for 2 to 3 years. I think Cobain would experiment with music a little bit. Kind of go maybe slightly a little bit Trent Rezner-y. Of course, this well, is my
0: opinion. Grunge Grunge was dying or died. So they would have had to
1: have adjusted. And I but, don't think
0: But did Grunge die or was dying because Kurt Cobain killed himself. So it's a chicken and egg. But in my in my opinion I mean you still had other bands. You did. And like Pearl Jam. Adjusted, Allison Chains. Soundgarden adjusted. Yep. But with Nirvana, you know, would have, like, Foo Fighters still have happened. Who knows? Or I, I just, it, it's an interesting conversation. You probably do a whole podcast on just that concept. A lot of people think that Kurt Cobain would end up sounding like Nickelback by the end of it.
1: The amazing thing, nobody would have known how great Dave Grohl was if he still was only the drummer for Nirvana.
0: Right. And see, Dave Grohl has done so many projects with so many bands. He's toured with other bands. He did a metal album called Pro Lot. Obviously has evolved with the Foo Fighters from 1996 all the way through present day. They're still putting out music, selling a lot of tickets. So you wonder if Dave Grohl would have said, you know what, Nirvana's been great, got my foot in the door, but I've got bigger fish to fry. I think that's what would have happened. I would have said 96, 97. I think that would have been it. Yeah, interesting conversation. So my number three, nothing like Nirvana, Uh, still problematic though, R. Kelly down low. So this is a six plus minute uh, movie essentially where r kelly's character who's called kelly is hired to take care of his boss mr biggs's wife or girlfriend while mr biggs goes on a business trip now he is explicitly warned do not touch her but as you could predict he touches her with his dick. And Mr. Biggs bodyguards, uh, one of which played by Michael Clark Duncan, they break in and find R. Kelly and Mr. Biggs' wife together and they beat him. They're like stomping him and it's just like a gang beat down. They drive him out to the desert and they leave him there. He lets out a big scream. He's bloody, presumably dying. Well, they don't show you how, but somehow he ends up in a hospital with an eye patch and in a wheelchair. And as he's wheeling down the hall, he sees Lila, Mr. Biggs's girlfriend. Nice coincidence that they're in the same medical facility. Whoever found him in the desert just drove him to the closest hospital apparently, but whatever. So as he wheels in and he sees Lila, she dies. That's how the video ends.
1: People want to know where the R. Kelly crazy train began. It was this music video.
0: It probably was this music video. Granted,
1: he had bump and grind before this, then I believe I can fly from Space Jam. This was the starting point where R Kelly became R Kelly.
0: So when he tells you, you know, tells her he wants to keep it on the down low, he couldn't have been more serious because not keeping it on the down low got her killed. And that's it. That's all I've got for R. Kelly Dunlop. But
1: That's where R. Kelly became crazy as shit. So my number two, numero dos, is a video from a band that I discovered. We referenced the MTV Beach House. And I saw their first performance on that show. And I was blown away that their lead singer was a kick-ass female. No doubt, don't speak. I went with a more slower, not just the girl or spiderwebs. I went with this one. And this was the first video in which I saw Gwen Stefani. I'm like... Wow.
0: It's the best No Doubt song.
1: It's an excellent song. It's her ode to guitarist in the band Tony. They were together, they broke up, and this was the song about their breakup. Yes. And it's such a, it hits every like fiber of your being. Any serious relationship that ends in just, ugh, this song hit every chord to it and you can tell in the music video with her looking at tony and tony looking back at her. it's it's the looks it's the visuals you feel every note every lyric this song i can't recommend and it's this one of these songs i believe it's generational where you could hear it you know five minutes after it came out or 105 minutes you know 100 years out five minutes later it is such an excellent song. And
0: I'm glad that it exists for that reason, because Gwen Stefani and No Doubt in particular went through quite the transition. You know, prior to this, they were a ska band. I think that they were like doing a fusion and using some ska elements in their song, but by the mid-90s, they were a full-blown pop band. And then it got even worse, because I like I think about some of the stuff that Gwen Stefani made in like the 2000s. She had that song with Eve. Oh, Let Me Blow Your Mind. Yeah, and then she was like married to uh, Gavin Rosdale,
1: Bush. Now she's married to blake shelton like it's just now if you if you listen to like no doubts first album it's they're a ska band they're a ska punk band and then you get into this where it's more you know just a girl that was their their first big which has ska elements it does but spiderwebs does too but this but it's like they were probably
0: signed I just the music industry is fascinating because there's the whole idea of selling out so no doubt was probably signed by whatever label they were on with the premise that they had a a pretty blonde female singer and an all-male band and they probably knew they weren't going to be
1: Scott I, I don't know but yeah Great now, job. Well, what, quickly about this. This song reached number one on the Billboard 100 Airplay chart and remained in that position for 16 non-consecutive weeks, which, weeks, which was a record. But in, there was an earlier version of this song where the verses are different. It's a beautiful version and it's awesome, but it was more jazzy and real different. Can you imagine uh, a hear, jazzy version of I don't want to hear song? jazzy. But this is an excellent song. High recommend, everybody.
0: My number two song, not jazzy. Tupac and Dr. Dre, California Love. It's an anthem. So it's a Mad Max style video, but no Master Blaster or Emerton Joe, unfortunately. So that's why it's not number one for me. Uh, In the same year, Tupac had I Ain't Mad at Cha, which honestly, that video predicts his own shooting like he gets shot he's hanging out bokeem woodbine and he gets shot and then he's in heaven i I think tupac knew it was coming but before he knew it was coming before he was killed he released california love again a mad max style apocalyptic video every single person knows this song it's played at some weddings it's uh, one of the biggest songs of the
1: 90s and the video backed up how good the song was everybody at any bar, at any given time, know the lyrics of this song. Yeah. It's rap's coming out party in a way. It became, I believe this made rap more mainstream. It's
0: probably the definitive song out of dozens about California.
1: Totally. This is the California anthem. Name any person or MMA fighter, Uriah Faber. This was their theme song.
0: This yeah. is the theme song for Californians everywhere. Yeah. If you're a little a bit more bubblegum, you got California Girls by Katy Perry. If you're a sad boy, you like uh, Albert Hammond. It never
1: rains in Southern California. Yeah. Or David Lee Roth doing California Girls that originally was done by the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. There you go. So there you go. Going on to my number one. It is a song off my favorite album of all time. I remember having this album, having to buy it four times because I wore the damn thing out on CD. It's Bush. Their album is 16 Stone, and the song is Glycerine. Yeah, This song is such, like, don't speak. You sit back. Maybe you have a nice little thing of Terramana tequila. And you just listen to the lyrics. It's so slow. Now, it's so deliberate. I was called a vagina for liking this song. I call me the biggest vagina ever. But it's the best Bush song. Gavin Rosdale, in my opinion. And I know my opinion has been under fire for me saying Spider-Man 2 is a dog shit movie. It's not. It's horrible. He revealed himself to a child. However, his Gavin Rossdale. his dick. Huh? You act like he revealed his dick? <laughs> he, revealed he revealed himself to him. a he child. He might as well showed his dick to the kid. He showed who he was. The kid would have got a piece of candy and go, I know that guy. He's just That's a guy. That's Peter Parker. No, he's not a guy. Gavin Rosdale's voice is such a damn good voice it rattles you to your core i know probably that makes me sound like a huge vagina for saying that it won the mtv video music award for viewers choice should have won a hell of a lot more this video was shot over a short time while the band was on tour in the u.s there are so many other 16 stone had so many there was come down from the movie fear which we might cover that in following oh, I seasons hope we do. come down you have Glycerine, you have machine head you have everything zen there are, um Alien.
0: So, Bush, great band, but, what, two albums? They had had a single on the next album on Razorblade Suitcase. Then you had The Chemicals Between Us. I don't remember that one.
1: The only song they ever had on that was Chemicals. They're
0: still touring. They're still playing, but I think they kind of jammed every hit they ever had into the first album.
1: Which, if you're going to get it all out of the way, get it all out of the way right off the bat. So,
0: I think my number one will probably surprise you. It's You Can't Stop the Rain by Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. No, it's real it's not. It's not actually Shaq. It's uh The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony.
1: Cleveland Zone.
0: Why they kill my dog and I miss my uncle Charles. Y'all yeah, so it's it's just like the Grim Reaper sort of is coming for you type video. But it's Bone Thugs and Harmony are seriously underrated, if that's possible. They were just fantastic. They're great rappers. This is their biggest song. I've, it's got well over 100 million views on YouTube. Uh, so definitely Crossroads. But I, I don't want to stop there. There's so many videos in 1996 again. On After Hours, we can be a little bit more loose and conversational. So let's talk about some of the others. So you had mentioned book- Bush and their first album having what four or five singles mm-hmm. I four. multi-platinum another artist who did that was Alanis Morissette so Alanis oh, Morissette Jagged her Jagged Little Pill legit was like every song on that album was like a single I'll never forget buying that album it waves music at the mall yeah and it like every song on that album was a single in 1996 the biggest of them was probably Ironic which was an iconic music video one of the biggest of 1996 if not the biggest we had Smashing Pumpkin's Tonight tonight they had a couple videos. Nineteen
1: seventy nine as well.
0: Yes. Three eleven had down Hell yeah. Which, all mixed up. Yeah, all mixed up. One that we we got to talk about. Los Del Rio featuring the Bayside Boys, Macarena.
1: A song that won't die. Kids even know the damn Macarena. Yes,
0: does. it's ridiculous. The video is a little, I would almost call it offensive. They have like the United Colors of Benetton type deal. It's stereotype. It's very stereotype. The lyrics to that song are bonkers. It made $278 trillion
1: roughly. And another one that probably made $278 trillion is No Diggity by Blackstreet. Yes.
0: Yeah, that one is huge, featuring Queen Penn, Teddy Riley. We've talked about him on the podcast before. You had the Fugees, who were really big in 1996. They did Killing Me Softly. They had Ready or Not, which I'll say on this podcast, why not? I don't hide it, but I don't exactly advertise it. I was pro wrestler for many years. If I were ever to return to wrestling, I always thought Ready or Not would just make such an awesome entrance theme it just the that opening yeah it would just make an awesome awesome it's sort of like an escape from la escape from new york in addition to that lauren hill jumped on the Nas song if i ruled the world which is a good
1: video don't forget about tony braxton's you're making me high that music video oh my god yeah she
0: also had unbreak my heart with oh. uh was tyrese in there yes i like, killed in a motorcycle crash and she cries in the shower we had beck where it's at
1: quad city dj's come on ride the train uh you forgot about a big one until it's Sleeps by Metallica, that load album, huh? Yeah, yeah, I bought that at the Rock and Roll Load Hall of and Fame. Reload. That album
0: is a load. <laughs> Busta Rhymes, "Woo Got you all in check. When that came out, that was like the first weird rapper I think that I had ever seen. Like, I I really like like Ghetto Boys, but they weren't playing Ghetto Boys videos on MTV. So to see Busta Rhymes do "Woo Got you all in check, super strange video. He had a number of super strange videos to follow.
1: Don't forget about Oasis, "Wonderwall" and "Champagne Supernova." Oh, they also had uh, Don't, "Don't Look, Look Back, Back in Anger," Agra. which is the best Oasis. Which song, is in my no- Noel's doing. Right there.
0: Yeah. Primitive radio god standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand. That's the right... Yeah. That's the right title, do, right?
1: Do, 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 do. Yeah,
0: good one. Uh, Marilyn Manson, "Beautiful People." Talked about MTV2 earlier. That's definitely one that lived on MTV2. Good
1: STP songs. You have, you know, "Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart." Yeah, I was right. Okay, yeah. and then you had Big Bang Baby, which yeah. is a really weird music video. "Tripping on
0: a Hole in a Paper Heart" was like uh, making of, like recording the song, but super cool. You could see Scott Weiland, rest in peace, smoke a bunch of cigarettes. Joe Osborne, one of us. <laughs> Probably also controversial, I'm sure, if we were to look into it, but the thing that's not controversial about that one is it was written by Prince. He didn't put yes. his name on it, but he wrote the song, and once you know that, you can totally hear it.
1: Another good one-hit wonder, Space Hog, in the meantime.
0: Yeah, great one. Uh, Genuine by Pony, that song will not die. It, it just lives forever. LaBouche, Be My Lover, come yeah. on, Europop beat Euro uh, Europop with a rap, yes. rap part. Presidents of the United States of America, Peaches. So, when I, air quotes, graduated sixth grade which was our elementary school going into middle school we had we had to like do a questionnaire essentially and in the questionnaire it asked you your favorite color favorite food favorite whatever my favorite song at that time i if you look back i have the program my favorite song in 1996 was peaches yeah
1: i i'm not proud i don't really like that now i will say my mom hated That fucking song, because I will never forget when I bought that album, I played Lump, and then Peaches came out. She's like, if I hear that Peaches song one more goddamn time, (laughs) I swear to God. So
0: speaking of things appearing in programs, let me tell a a side story real quick just on a tangent. When I graduated high school in 2002, my senior year, I played soccer, and we had our senior banquet for, obviously, all the seniors in the team and give the awards and all of that. Well, the president of the boosters called my house, and she's doing essentially the same thing, doing an interview asking me... You know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's, where are you going to college? Whatever. And she was like, what's your nickname? And I was like, I don't have a nickname. And she was like, you have to have a nickname, dude. Don't people call you anything but but Kevin? And I said, no, I don't have a nickname. The only thing i had ever been called in my life up to that point was Punisher. And it's because I got a a fight in sixth grade. And I bloodied this kid all up. And now I don't want to be associated <laughs> with, with Punisher at all because of yeah. thin blue line. But anyhow, so she asked me my nickname. I said, no, I don't have a nickname. She goes, okay, well, great. Can I talk Talk to your brother. She knew I had a brother, and I said, "Why?" She goes, "Just let me talk to your brother." So hang up. Don't think anything of it. Just let it go. I get to the banquet, and when they're announcing me to come up, get my awards, get my trophy, get whatever, they said Kevin likes to be called Dirk Diggler. (laughs) All of the grown adults in the room. (laughs) Are kind of doing like the butthead, like <laughs> anybody it's who said Anybody who had seen Boogie Nights, it, it, it's just so I like that story. My, Imagine if you were
1: Chest Rockwell.
0: Yes, my my brother told the the president's soccer uh, boosters that I like to be called Dirk Diggler. She probably had no idea. She was a good Christian woman. Uh, back to the list. We had Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison, and I guess that transitions well with the Dirk Diggler because Mark Morrison also had a video. I've never watched it. I want to watch it right now. In 1996, it was just called Horny. Just putting it all out there. Why not? Somebody recently described Sublime as Beach Juggalos. (laughs) And <laughs> Who
1: the fuck would reference him It's Beach Juggalos? It's pretty much
0: the perfect description. Sublime fans are just Beach Juggalos.
1: I love Sublime, but I got to tell you, Santeria is probably I, the song I, I do not like. Really?
0: Yeah. I like Santeria. The video was like a Western, and it had Tiny Zeus Lister I always it. liked
1: April 92. That was my favorite. Well, that one was a good, because they shout out,
0: Cleveland, Ohio. Damn straight. I find this one hard to believe, but the Spice Girls released Wannabe, 2 Becomes 1, and Say You'll Be There in 1996.
1: I always thought Say You'll Be There was awesome. Off their second album but that's spice up your life
0: yeah um wannabe was an iconic music video probably should have been on one of our lists two becomes one is the best spice Girls song and hell we should cover spice world on this podcast
1: oh jesus God. i think we would
0: get through five minutes and then change our mind uh so that's pretty much all the videos i want to talk about i don't know if there was anything else no i got everything covered here okay so with that said jim let them know
1: everybody back in the pool
0: Okay, so this week again we did the special episode for Twister, the watch along. Hopefully you enjoyed the commentary of uh myself and Jim and our special guest, Magnum CH. Magnum CH uh watching Twister, just talking about it. Hopefully you have some drinks and watch along. But my drink pairing for Twister, Pepsi, because Joe cuts up the Pepsi cans that make the little receptors that fly inside Dorothy. So Pepsi's probably the perfect drink. I'm
1: trying to think what other Pepsi cola are there Sprite? Is that Crystal no, that's a Coca Cola. Crystal Clear Pepsi. Crystal Clear Pepsi. Thank you, LABs, for bringing back Crystal Clear Pepsi. They had,
0: Pepsi. uh, they, I think they do, uh, Sierra Mist. That's
1: right, they do because Sprite is a Coca Cola yeah, property. Yeah, so.
0: If you want, if you're you know not straight edge, if you're not uh, CM Punk with a Pepsi tattoo, you can splash just a little bit of whiskey in that Pepsi. Shout out to Dana for this tip. If you want to, in that Pepsi and whiskey, you can put round ice cubes to represent hail. Nice. So for Twister, you've got a, a Twister drink, Pepsi, whiskey, and round ice
1: cubes. When I think of a disaster type drink, I go back into my memories and the bad times I had with a certain drink called Jägermeister. Oh. So if you want a disaster on your hands, take a couple shots of Jägermeister, and I suggest mix it with some Ice 101 and maple syrup, <gasps> because God. that's what I did. I didn't start drinking until I was 21, and I went crazy for five years, and we had a party at my buddy Rick's house, and I just decided to drink 15 beers, and on top of that, started drinking Jägermeister, and I was like, ah. Jägerbomb, Jägerbomb. Yeah, did did bombs, and I was like, we well, ran out of Red Bull, so then I started mixing it with Ice 101. Ah. Uh. It was to the point where I could not see color. I think the world was in black and white. And then I decided to go, hey, why not? Let's put some maple syrup in this. Pronounce Ugh. syrup, not syrup. Syrup. I ended up throwing up so bad. Last time I drank Jägermeister, we were at a
0: party at this girl, Jackie McGlynn's house. Shout out to Jackie. I drank enough Jaeger. I don't know why I even had Jaeger, but I drank enough. I was going to throw up. Ugh. I try and go to the bathroom, and I walk in. Somebody's taking a shit. I'm like, no, I can't throw up where the dude's taking a shit because it still smells like shit. I I don't know what my thinking was. So our buddy Morgan drove me home. I was sticking my head out the window just puking while we were riding down the road. Morgan doesn't handle vomit very well. He starts throwing up on himself. We get back to his house so he can change, and his dad was like, who's the designated driver here? But before we got to that point where I puked on myself, I was freestyle rapping, which is something I tend to do Sounds when about I drink. Right. And somebody had written me a record contract, and they said, dude, you're awesome at rapping. Here's a record contract. Obviously, a joke, fake. They, they. I think they made it on like Microsoft Word and printed it out as a joke. But anyhow, they gave me a record contract. I ate it. So the last time I... I drank Jägermeister. I ate my hypothetical record contract.
1: Jaeger will get you to do some of the craziest stuff, and black licorice is disgusting. So,
0: Jaeger, interesting story real quick, since we can do that and we can go into to depth on this podcast. What happened to Jaeger? It's basically been replaced by Fireball. When that became the kid's popular drink. When Fireball... Fireball's always just been a gas station liquor you know it's never changed but they hired two ivy league marketers to be like hey we need to improve sales fresh out of college kids basically what the kids did went into bars and restaurants and said you guys do jaeger specials jaeger's disgusting why don't you do fireball instead it tastes better and girls can drink it there's some john taffer bar science fireball essentially has replaced
1: jaeger i don't know anybody that drinks why would you want to drink jaeger first off i don't do well with hard liquor when i drink hard liquor i look like a real yeah piece of shit i cannot handle hard liquor i stopped yeah i'm the, done with it
0: the only thing that i can think of that's worse than jaeger is yukon jack
1: oh i just get sick thinking peppermint schnapps for me is a trigger
0: Alright, so with that said, why don't we go ahead and give some plugs. Uh, we've done some cool things around here recently. We've had some special guests. We did a cross-promotional episode with We Be Ramblin'. What's up, Corey and Tunza? They have a Facebook now. You can check out We Be Ramblin' on Facebook. And if you're kind enough to join us for this, our first mini-episode, which we're calling After Hours, we thought we'd give you the gift of some things that we have coming up. If there's any ideas you have for us, whether it's movies, a format change, a special feature, whatever it is, please. Please reach out to us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us. Jim, what's that email address?
1: The email address is poolscenepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And
0: you can pretty much find us at poolscenepodcast
1: on the rest. I thought
0: we'd go ahead and we put ourselves out there doing a mini episode. It's against what we normally do. So let's give them a treat. Some some upcoming movies we plan on covering. Cocktail. Yes. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The podcast is named, named after, after Fast Times. Scene. We have to do it. Uh, Varsity Blues, which we've mentioned and our first deep end episode that basically the deep
1: end is our season finale
0: yeah every 10th episode we plan on doing a super sized episode where we cover a pair of movies from a singular franchise or series so for the first
1: deep end we plan on talking about Ghostbusters 1 and 2 which will be our mega episode it will be roughly well over an hour and a half approaching two hours in length Yeah. because there's going to be a lot to talk about we'll talk
0: about both movies we'll kind of compare whether they're both good one's good the other's not good there is a lot of hate for ghostbusters 2
1: and there should be no hate for it's a
0: great movie i'm gonna say you'll have to tune in to see if i agree or disagree so again why don't you uh please check out facebook instagram twitter send us an email let us know what you think uh we appreciate you joining us for After Hours and we will
1: see you next week while we resume a typical episode. And download on Apple and Spotify. Anything else Kevin? No, just rate and subscribe. Alright, rate and subscribe everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.